You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Welcome to the Vineyard Community Church at Mount Comfort. It's good to have you with us today. The title of the message, I have compassion for these people. That's straight from the words, the lips of Jesus. I have compassion for these people. You know, a lot of times when we're reading the gospel stories, you you have an opportunity to insert yourself into the story. I don't know where you insert yourself in. I I usually don't insert myself in as Jesus, but I I do oftentimes insert myself in as one of his disciples. And and, and today, I, I would encourage us all, you can do the disciple, but I would encourage you to insert yourself in the people numbered among the 4,000 men that gets fed today. And let's see what the compassion of Jesus does. There's three times that compassion is used in the Gospel of Mark. In chapter one, it has to do with the leper. And the leper comes to Jesus and falls to, to his feet and begs him to heal him. And it says, and Jesus was moved with compassion and he cleansed him, and he was healed. Then, the next place where we see compassion is in chapter six, and it's the feeding of the 5,000 people. And as they're trying to find a place to go have retreat and get some rest and take in some food, when they get to shore coming in from the boat, there's such a multitude of people And Jesus has compassion because he sees them as sheep not having a shepherd. Compassion number two. And then today's text, we see compassion number three. Interesting. One was with the leper. Two was with people. Multitudes of people. So let's look at our passage today. Begin reading in Mark chapter 8, verse 1. During those days, another, underline another, because this is, Jesus is, is really popular right now and everybody's wanting to follow and gather to, around him. Another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground, and when he'd taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present, and having sent them away, he got into the boat 
with his disciples and went to the region of Dalamanutha. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, as we've invited all the manifestations of your presence, we invite now for the release of your spirit to us as your sons and daughters, that we might have ears to hear what you're saying to us individually, what you're saying to us corporately, that we might have eyes to see how you're moving today in the earth, and that we might have hearts to receive all of your revelation, all of your truth, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. During those days, we find at the end of chapter 7 that Jesus is in uh, the Decapolis. It's 10 Greek cities. And the major population in this area is Gentile. It's the Greeks. Um, yet there's always colonies uh, of the Jewish folks almost everywhere. And so here he is, and he's, he's in this environment, and another crowd shows up. Now, mind you, last week I, I, was, I was going off of the premise that Jesus is probably staying up in the Gentile region because he's really wanting to have some one-on-one -on -one time with his disciples. He's wanting to prepare them. The, the coming of the crucifixion is, is just coming down the road. He's wanting to make sure they're adequately prepared for his departure and they're prepared to continue in the mission of proclaiming the kingdom of God. And so here it is, another crowd shows up. Where do you think they came from? If it's primarily a Gentile area, how is the word getting out? Well, earlier he just healed the demonized daughter of a Syrophoenician lady. That's a little further north and a little bit further west of where they are. And <clears throat> but I imagine that got out that Jesus is ministering to Greeks as well. Now, mind you, in chapter 6, the 5,000 is predominantly Jewish people. I believe the, the predominance of the 4,000 are Gentiles. And I think Mark is writing to kind of Romans. He's writing to Gentiles. He doesn't put in, then this fulfilled what was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. He, he's not filling in all the Jewish footnotes to the proclamation of Jesus. He's given just the facts. He's running through his gospel, racing to the cross. And as he's doing that, you'll miss some of this stuff if, if you don't really, really sit and let the Lord speak to you. This includes us. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 was astounding. The disciples were overwhelmed. They didn't know what to do with someone who could multiply loaves and fish. And here we are in this Greek climate, and they don't seem to get it. They don't even seem to be excited because they're Gentile dogs and we're the beloved children of God. 
And so there could be some prejudice going on with the disciples, even in this wonderful miracle of the feeding of the 4,000. But here they are, another large crowd gathers, and it's like, wow. <clears throat> and they didn't have any food. They didn't have McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King right up the road. You know, if we had a big meeting like that, we could just take a, an hour and a half break and people could run down there. But no, they're out in a desolate, desolate place. There, there is no fast food services that's around. <laughs> and he calls his disciples to him. So who are you going to call? <laughs> call the disciples. I imagine when Jesus calls the disciples, he's really anticipating that they're starting to connect the dots that they're starting to realize that little in the hands of the Lord is a lot. But they still don't get it. Matter of fact, when he, when he talks to them and he shares his heart, they, they are still just kind of, duh. They don't get it. So here's what he says to his disciples. I have compassion for these people. Wow. He had compassion for the 5,000 because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He's having compassion now and he's speaking it in the context of what? He has compassion for these people because they've been with him for three days and they don't have anything to eat. Well, that's a problem. But the focus of his compassion is that he's afraid they won't make it home. He's delighted that they've come and that they've listened to the proclamation of the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And as he, as he shared, no doubt, three days, a three-day conference, 4,000 people, all the things that's, that's getting disseminated, people's hearts stirred, they don't even realize that they're not eating. I've been in services where I, you just lose track of time. And I imagine when you, if you're with Jesus, you know, and, and he's in the zone, you know, he's on a roll. He's just, it's like, you don't even realize three days have gone by and you haven't eaten, but Jesus knows. And he knows that on the way home, his concern is that they might faint. They might collapse on the way home. He's concerned not only that you get to him, but when you leave from him, that you get home. That's what spoke to my heart. Jesus is concerned that we get home. I don't know what home represents for you today. Most of you don't drive real far to get to church. Andersons drive a little further. <laughs> but, but getting home in the sense of our eternal destiny, getting home to accomplishing the purpose for which we have been birthed into the kingdom by the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? What is home for you today? This is what moves Jesus to compassion because he's afraid they'll collapse because some have come a long, long distance. They haven't eaten anything. So his disciples answered, but where? 
You know, the interstate's closed, the ramp, we can't get off. There's, there's no place we can go. We, we, can't, we can't get, there's no, no bread in this area. And so then he says, how many loaves do you have? Now that's the interesting thing. Whenever you're, whenever you're working and partnering with Jesus, <clears throat> it's never about what you don't have. It's about what you do have. And it seems like as, as we identify with the disciples, we're always focused on what we don't have. Well, we don't have enough to feed everybody. There's, there's not a, a, a restaurant around that we can go to. Jesus says, but what do you have? What is it that you have? When we take what we perceive to be something that is just not significant, it's like, Lord, I got this, but can you do that? We got seven, we got seven loaves and we've got a huge multitude. If it's 4,000 men besides women and children, we're talking about a whole lot of people here. So how are we going to do that? So Jesus speaks to the crowd. He finds out that there's seven. <clears throat> it's really interesting. Five loaves, two fish for 5,000, seven loaves. And then in a minute in the text, we, we throw in a, a few small fish. We don't even know how many, just a few small fish. They're not whoppers. Nothing that we can brag about that we caught. They're little ones. And, and here, here's Jesus. So he tells the crowd to sit down on the ground. In the feeding of the 5,000, he has the disciples group them in 50s and 100s. Now Jesus is just doing it all. Everybody have a seat. It's probably a good idea, if you haven't eaten in three days, to be seated. He's probably concerned that even as they continue that they might start fainting. Hmm. He took the seven loaves. <clears throat> so he, he could have created out of nothing. But somehow Jesus always likes to include us in the participation of his miracles. And so he takes what we have and he takes and he gives thanks for what we do have. I don't know about you, but that can be rather convicting when I think of all the stuff I don't have and I'm complaining to God for all the things that I don't have. I don't have enough of this, I don't have enough of that. <clears throat> Lord, how about thanking him for what we do have? And Jesus gives Father God thanks for the seven loaves. He breaks them and he gives them to the disciples to set before the people. Now the compassion of Jesus for the people is amazing. The compassion of Jesus for the disciples just kind of floors me even more. You know, it, it's like, here they are. They don't come up with any of the right answers. They're not filled with faith and said, oh Lord, let's do it just like we did last couple chapters ago. Yeah, let's do it again. Let's do it. No, but he still includes them. He still includes them. They still get to participate in one of the most incredible miracles of scripture. 
And so he breaks it, gives it to them, they take it to the people, and everybody eats. <clears throat> oh, and then he throws in the little tidbit. There's some small fish too. And he shows, Mark includes that he didn't just say, okay, here's some fish, disciples take it. No, he paused and he gave thanks for the few small fish and gave it to the disciples to distribute among the people. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but this is good news to me. We can be really dull and very slow to understand how God moves and operates and does his wonderful, wonderful things on the earth today, but he never, he, he never rejects us. He never says, well, you're disqualified. <laughs> You didn't learn from last time, so you sit on the bench this time. <laughs> Let's get Malchus, you go in. No. And here they're included. They get to participate in the second miraculous feeding of the multitude. I just think that's so cool. <clears throat> and the disciples distributed them, the, the fish, everybody ate, and the people were satisfied. Hmm. The people were satisfied. They weren't grumbling. They weren't complaining. That's kind of the backdrop of the Old Testament. They're, they're mumbling and they're murmuring and they're complaining and they're thinking, well, yeah, you got us out of Egypt, but now we're going to be out here and we're going to starve to death in the wilderness. And what happens? Moses, God tells him, he's sent manna. And so bread from heaven comes, and they're supernaturally provided for. I think there's a theme that the Lord wants us to understand, that he has provision for his people. And we keep getting all anxious, fearful, when all of a sudden it looks like there's not going to be enough at the end of the month. And it's like, no, realize you have a Father in heaven who knows how to release from heaven to the earth manna. He knows how to take seven loaves and feed 4,000. He can take a few small fish, throw a few sardines in there, a little flavor. Hmm. He, can, he can take care. And here's what it says. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketful of broken pieces that were left over. Seven baskets full. Hold on, the 5,000, we had 12 baskets full. But that was mostly Jews. And the number 12, the 12 tribes, kind of significant in the Old Testament, the number 12. Seven, well, in the Gentile world, completion, perfection, fullness. The baskets that's spoken, the word that's used in chapter 6 of Mark, much smaller. The basket, the word that's used for basket in chapter 8, is the same word that they use for the basket that they let the Apostle Paul out when he escapes out of the city when they want to kill him, and they're able to hide him in this basket and let him down the wall. That's a pretty big basket. 
So I don't know if we can compare apples and oranges, baskets to little baskets, big baskets. We don't, we don't know if there was more food, less food. We don't know. We just know that there were seven, seven baskets full, which is really interesting because in, in some of the biblical criticism, textual criticism and all that, trying to figure out the veracity of, of, of the gospels, <clears throat> they will say, well, this is the same miracle as the 5,000, just some scribal errors. Not. Matter of fact, later, later on as we continue in the, Jesus refers to the feeding of the 5,000 and how many baskets full were left. The feeding of the 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments were left. And so we, we see these are two separate events. I believe it. I don't think this is some scribal error and somebody just repeating the story. But you know, when Jesus does the same miracle twice, it kind of takes the enemy's ability to say, oh, that was back then. He, he, he only does, you know, he, he, he only did it once. No, he did it twice. And it, it starts to erode the lies of the evil one that says, well, he only cared about the ones that had been with him for three days. No. In chapter six, they'd just been with him one day and he fed him. In chapter eight, they'd been with him three days and he fed them. I don't think it's so much how long you've been with him. He has power, he has authority, and he has compassion for us. He cares about us. He cares about what we're going through. And he wants to meet us at our point of need. <laughs> Especially if we're not on the path to get home. He wants us to be able to get home. <clears throat> so 4,000 men present, mostly Gentiles, we believe. He sends them away. After they have some nourishment, they're now able to, to journey back home. And he gets in a boat with his disciples and he goes to the region of Dalmanutha. Dalmanutha, the only place in all of scripture where this word, this city, this region is mentioned. And it means the region of oppression. Who wants to go to Dalmanutha today? It's like, <laughs> the amazing thing about Jesus is that he wants, his compassion for us is to see us all the way home. And he doesn't bat an eye about going to the difficult places, the oppression. And as we, we get into that next week, we'll see what happens in the oppression, of which we find some of the worst oppression is not those that come from sinners, it's the oppression that comes from religious people. Religious oppression, I think, is, is one of the, the most evil things that the kingdom of darkness gets away with without people really noticing and getting upset about it. Let it be on record that we're going after religious oppression. 
We don't want that. So as we take communion this morning, where is the compassion? of Jesus directed towards you, where are you sensing the Lord has really been compassionate? And as you think of where his compassion has been manifesting in your life, I want you to to see if the Holy Spirit can connect the dots to how that enters in and is integrated into you getting home, the place of your destiny that he has ordained for you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.